Talk about a difference. Uh, <laughs> was it two weeks ago, my fingers were sticking to the page because of the heat and humidity. And then today, I think this is the first time I've ever given a homily while shivering. So it's kind of, kind of new. So if it shows up in my voice, I apologize. Um, I want to tell you this morning about one of the things that I think has made me one of the richest people I know. And that's my, my grandma O'Brien. She passed away in 2009, about two weeks before I was ordained a deacon. And the real tragedy in that was this was the grandma who, when she found out my mom was pregnant, and when they found out that I was going to be a boy, my grandma declared that I would be a priest. So that's why I like to say I was Catholic from the time I was conceived. I mean, I was already, like, well into it by the time I was in the cradle. And my grandma showed what was the most important thing in her life, like most of us do, with the way that she decorated her house. You know, I mean, some people have flowers all over the place. Some people have, you know, things that they've collected over the years that are all over the place. My grandma's house, and this is what I remember in particular, was covered all over the place with pictures of us 19 grandkids. I mean, you could tell that she also had five children of her own, because I think there was a picture of each of them, like one. And then the rest of the house was us 19 grandkids. And it was just very apparent what was most important in her life. And growing up, we were really blessed. We went over to her house, uh, especially when my grandpa was still alive, for breakfast every Sunday. In fact, I've said before, I think that's the greatest thing we give up as priests is Sunday mornings. Like, I don't get to go home with the family and have a big brunch after Mass because it's one of the busiest work days of the week. So... But then I don't work the other six days, so it's all fine. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I remember those days, and they were great. But, you know, out of us 19 grandkids, we weren't all 19 there all the time. Uh, there are some of my cousins that I don't really know, to be honest with you. But if I had gone up to my grandma and had the conversation been like, you know, what's the deal? Like, why, why do you care so much about him? Like, I'm the one who's here. I'm here with you all the time. You know, why do you still love this one? I'm not going to say which one because this is being broadcast on the Internet. Um, they could be watching this even though we haven't talked in a long time. So let's just say it's all metaphorical, right? Um, and I would think that she would look at me and she would say, Johnny, which is what she called me, which is what they all called me. Please don't call me that. She would say, Johnny, you know, I love you. I always have. I always will. You know, what's it to you if I continue to love them too? It doesn't mean that I love you any less, but I'm going to continue to love them as well. I think you know exactly where I'm going with this analogy. And when you look at this gospel today, in our fallen human nature, it's easy to get annoyed, you know, to look at this and be like, yeah, I mean, I can understand where these people that have borne the heat of the day are coming from and why they're so upset. And we can go right to that line that I'm grateful that we're able to post again three years later on the sign down at the street. And I'm happy to be looking right at Patrick Malloy because I remember the first time we posted it, he came up and said, I don't think I like that line. And we had a discussion about it. And I said, you know what's great about this? We're discussing sacred scripture in the pickup line at school. I mean, it shows that posting things down on the road is a good idea. But the question is, as we look at that, you know, and looking at this parable, what does it mean for us? What does it mean that God is the way that he is? Because we can instantly sort of go to, you know, the justice that doesn't quite sit right with us in this parable and miss, I think, 
the things about it that are so incredible. When you look at the one who's doing the majority of the activity in this parable, who is it? It's the master of the house. It's the landowner himself who's going out time and time again. I mean, we don't hear as much about the workers and what they're doing. It's him who's doing, frankly, all the work in the parable. And it's funny, when it comes time to give rewards, to give the payment, to have like sort of like the happy conclusion, that's when he sends in his steward. He tells the steward to pay them, you know, beginning with the last and ending with the first. And the other thing that I think is so incredible in this parable is you notice that those who started first, it's like a whole big group of people, you know, grumble against him because they feel cheated that he made those other ones equal to them. But notice the word that it takes that the landowner is addressing. He doesn't say, hey, guys. He says, friend. He's, in, he's individually addressing one of those workers. He comes to him individually. And the thing that I found out in the Greek here is that the word for friend isn't the typical word for friend like philos, like where we get um, Philadelphia, which means like the city of brotherly love, you know, like that, that, that kind of like love and, and a friendship. But it has more to do with, like, essentially, like, calling him, like, playmate is what I understand. It's almost like we're, you know, like, Abba kind of means, like, more than just father. It's like dad or daddy. Like, the word that he uses for friend here is, like, I'm going to say buddy because I like the word buddy a lot. But it's like, come on. Like, we're, we're in this together, you know? Friend, I'm not cheating you. I'm not, like, taking you away from other things. Ultimately, I came out after you. I was the one searching for you. I want to be in a relationship with you. Okay, guess what? My love is infinite. I can do that with other people. But by the very fact that I love them doesn't mean I love you any less. And the other incredible thing to me in this parable is you may remember a couple weeks ago I talked about you know, the symphony, not just because I wanted to talk about bassoons, but because in the word in Greek when it came to two or three of us agreeing on anything, the word symphonia in Greek was used. I mean, that's literally where we get the word symphony. Once again, in this gospel today, it's the same word. When the landowner goes out and agrees with them for the daily wage, that them agreeing is a symphonia. Once again, the same Greek word. But this time, it's not just two or three of us making a symphony. It's God entering in to all of this with us and being a part of the symphony as well. The incredible nature of our God is that he is constantly after us, constantly going after us from the crack of dawn when it's cold outside to the 11th hour at 5 o'clock. He's after us all the time. And to be in that love, to be with him, there's nothing better. That ultimately that relationship, that love is so good. And in the same way, that, and, and I just put this out there. If I were to say to my grandma, like, you know, this cousin has hardly shown up, you know, isn't here. He hasn't had to spend time with you to earn your love like I have. Think about how incredibly terrible that would be for me to say that. Like, why did I spend all this time with you playing cards and eating your cinnamon toast and working in the backyard and, you know, and all of these things, just being here when I could have just not been here and you would have still loved me. Yeah, I'd be an ungrateful, terrible, horrible grandson, right? 
And that's what I think we have to guard against in our day-to-day lives, is not comparing ourselves to everybody else, but recognizing that even to be in the vineyard, to be about God's work, whatever it may be, and sometimes it is, bearing the heat of the day. Sometimes our vocations call us to difficult things. I mean, bearing the cross is not an easy thing, but what we got to stop and remember is that the landowner himself bears the cross, that the landowner himself goes out and keeps working to bring us in, that the landowner himself addresses us individually as, my friend, come with me, be in relationship with me. And once again, for the second Sunday in a row, the way that the parable is introduced is Jesus told this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. It's not the kingdom of heaven is like the vineyard. In fact, isn't it incredible how little the vineyard is actually brought up today? We don't really hear as much about what needs to be done in the vineyard, what the work is that has to be done. He's not just waiting for us to, you know, okay, once you've achieved this goal, then you can come on in. I mean, it doesn't say anything about that. What he wants is he wants your heart. He wants you to be in relationship with him. Just like my grandma, who was far from perfect, you know, but she loved us. And that love was, I think, about as infinite as human love can be. And God's love is infinitely, inexhaustibly more than hers was. And so what I would say in our day-to-day lives is to make sure that we're making time to stop and to listen to him, to be with him and to let yourself actually listen to him say to you, my friend. Because if we spend all of our time, in, I mean, because we're in this age where it's so easy to look at everybody else, especially on social media, and that's so dangerous because we don't actually get to see the reality. Nobody puts on their Facebook page, well, Uncle Jerry's drunk again, falling asleep on the couch, and the car's broken down, and frankly, my relationship with my wife is on the rocks. Like, No, I mean, we put up what we want everybody to see, you know? And so we kind of go through like, oh, why do they have everything so good and life is so hard for me? Well, it's not really reality. In fact, the lasting reality is what? Jesus Christ. And that's why St. Paul can say in that second reading from his letter to the, Saint, to the Philippians, for me, life is Christ and death is gain. Because ultimately, what is the kingdom of heaven like? That landowner. What do we have to do in the midst of our life? We have to cling to that landowner. And even if we've been doing this our entire life, if, like me, you've been Catholic from conception, right? Or if you've been Catholic for 15 minutes, I'm guessing it's been longer than that, but it really doesn't matter. His love is about loving you, loving you into that eternal relationship with him. And the beautiful thing is with that symphony that he enters into with us, it's about all of us being included. Yes, I know that work in the vineyard can be tough, but ultimately his love is greater than anything. He wants to share it with us. Don't be worried about the way that he distributes it. Just know that he calls you my friend. And make sure that you take the time, frankly, every day to listen to him say that to you. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever.